You're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcast Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at whatisthepodcastmatrix.com. When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition, episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. When we talk about the year 1989 and tea, I would have originally thought tea, Earl Grey, hot. Inside this most recent episode review of Friday the 13th, the series, we're all offered a cup of tea that steals the life force from the homeless population of our local city and or city park. It's never been this dangerous to take a drink from a stranger than inside this episode reviewed here on the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of Friday the 13th, the series. Season 1, Episode 4, A Cup of Time. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Lots to talk about inside this episode, Nick, but first, some quick housekeeping. A Quiet Place. In Perspective Review. There's a variety of things that happened inside this episode that made Nick and I think of another movie that I have not yet seen, but I'm eager to see, mostly because of my previous skill set as a sign language interpreter. Yes. The Quiet Place is a movie where there's very little sound. In fact, is there any sound in the movie? There, there's sound. Oh, there's sound. There, there are... No talking in the you, movie. You can't, you can't make noise. There are, there are creatures that if they hear you, uh-huh. they kill you. They wow. come after you. They hunt by sound. Interesting. So you have to you have to walk quietly. You have to breathe quietly. Mm-hmm. You have to well not talk at all. Wow. The movie is I, I want to say about a good eighty percent silent, except for the ambient sound of Spoon name location that you're in. Yeah, okay. exactly. <clears throat> well, very interesting. And anyway, the reason I'm bringing that up is because we're going to be doing a perspective review of that movie. I don't have a timetable on it, but I wanted to make sure everybody knew that we're going to be doing that because if you have questions or insight about any of the things that are involved inside of that movie, you should definitely reach out to Nick and his ilk over at twoguystalkinghorror.com. Ask your questions and we'll find the answers and present them inside our perspective review of A Quiet Place. Look for more details soon. Exploring the realm of being stuck in podcasting. I know that I'm not the only person that will be listening to this podcast that also happens to be a podcaster. Like me. Like you. Exactly like you. And 
what is even more important is that every podcaster on the planet, including me, one that's been doing this now for 13 years, gets stuck. Coming up in a couple of weeks is a local St. Louis podcaster meetup. And while it'll be for people inside of the St. Louis area, yes, very true. The problems and solutions that we're going to be talking about inside of that meetup are very real for every podcaster. So I'm going to be recording the sessions that we take in during that meetup. We'll have a very interesting episode for anybody that is a podcaster, or frankly, anybody that's ever gotten stuck inside of making a web-based project that makes you just want to find a way to move forward and make content. Be sure to check out the show notes inside this episode of Curious Goods to find more curious information about getting unstuck with podcasts, web content, and more. All right, Nick, I've got my cup of tea in front of me. How about you? Nope, I'm not drinking any tea during this episode. Okay, that's probably a good thing. Let's dig straight into the retelling of this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast, reviewing Season 1, Episode 4, A Cup of Time, of Friday the 13th, the series. So this episode begins uh, in the dark woods. Uh, evidently, it's the uh, the park of uh, whatever whatever city that this show takes place in. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a mysterious cloaked woman. We know she's a woman because she has a feminine voice. Wakes up this uh, young, homeless girl, probably about 15, 16 years old, sleeping on a park bench. Wakes her up and asks if she wants a hot cup of tea. Very random thing to ask. Hey, you! You want some tea? Hot tea? On a on a cold? It wasn't even a cold night. So the lady gives her some delicious hot tea, which she drinks down very quickly, of course, because she's homeless and thirsty. After drinking the tea, however, the cup comes to life. That's right. An interesting an interesting happenstance happens. The vines grow from the the molded vines that are on the side of the cup and begin to wrap around the 15-year-old, now-not-thirsty, homeless person's neck and proceed to choke her by strangling her to death. And then the vines wrap back into the the cup, and it looks like nothing ever happened at all, and she's dead. Then we go, ironically, into a studio environment where a wonderfully gorgeous woman is singing her life away. Yes, we've uh, we've got some 80s hair pop metal going on there evidently this brand new artist on the scene uh, named lady die she's very uh she's incredibly self-absorbed absorbed yes uh, very opinionated the, the, bossy the, yeah she begins not liking new changes made in the music that she had no control over she's, yes she gets upset and then goes to her dressing room where she spends the next probably eight or 12 minutes looking at herself admiring herself although she's also looking at every wrinkle and curvature of her face that appears to her manager inside of her dressing room. Very obsessed with the way that she looks. Yes. We then transition over to the antique store where Jack, Ryan, and Mickey are doing their thing and they're interrupted by some mysterious character named Birdie. She, she's never been shown before in, the, in any of the previous episodes. This is only episode four. But, but, but she's a, a neighbor or, or at least somebody from the neighborhood who's got the hots for one Jack Marshak. Right. Jack basically just shuts her shuts every piece of 
move going on there down. Jack's a nice guy. He doesn't, he just doesn't say like, you know, step off woman. It's, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so terribly busy. I must go and uh, deal with uh, what I was doing. Ta-ta. After Bertie gets done being shut down by Jack, she then has a very short but pointed conversation about all the dead homeless people that are apparently popping up in the city's population and no one can figure out what's happening except that many of them have been strangled and that the police know nothing. It's been going on for a while. Uh, it actually started around the same time that uh, her good friend Sarah disappeared. Yeah. Thank you, Birdie, or, or should I say the bird of exposition. <laughs> the bird of exposition. So with this newfound information, not thinking it has anything to do with an antique or anything, Mickey and Ryan decide... Well, you know what? We're part of this community, too. We're going to go down there, and we're going to find some answers out about these murders and just wander into an autopsy room while the medical examiner is doing his thing on the newest body and the lieutenant is just standing there talking to him. The lead detective is standing right next to him, and nobody says, hey, you can't come in here. No, you can't come in here. It's like, oh... (laughs) Oh, you, you people who aren't supposed to be in here, come a little closer and let's have a, co- a conversation. Let's have a conversation next to the dead body. They, they, they need some answers, and even though they don't get any, Ryan does spy a piece of plant life on the clothes of the dead body flora. that are on the floor. Yeah, flora grabs the piece of plant, and they leave. They go back to the antique store, show it to Jack, and of course... It brings to mind something that Jack knows about. And has recently read inside of the Book of Knowledge, which he opens again to read once more. A strain of plant called Swapper's Ivy that was indigenous to Ireland back in the 13th and 14th century, but was believed to have been extinct, burnt away, because it had strange and dangerous properties that the local Irish were afraid of. The only property that it wasn't responsible for was the now new short skirt that Bertie shows up in as she comes back to visit. But of course is, again, shot down. Big time, shut down. And Jack just has no interest at all. <laughs> well, he's more worried about ass. he's more worried about looking up the, the fact that there was actually a cup with Swapper's Ivy drawn on it sold two years ago so what a coincidence this does have something to do with a cursed object right somebody the, the person who originally bought the cup uh, from lewis vanderdee was named like the fat tony or fat eddie or he was fat something so mickey and ryan go and visit fat tony eddie except that he's not fat anymore mostly because <laughs> he's dead he he's is a- his Skeletal remains are hidden away in the hide-a-bed. So more conversation happens, and Mickey and Ryan finally figure that it's time to go and talk to Lady Di and see what all of the why all of the clues are pointing back to her. They decide to masquerade as a magazine article writer, promoter, something. Something like that. And go down to the radio station to visit with Lady Di. Unfortunately, they're not very good at presenting themselves at all, and so Lady Di hauls ass, and they don't get to talk to her about anything. Yeah, still not, still not really good on that pretending. They can pretend to be monks, <laughs> and, and get and away, and get away with it for an entire episode. But, but try to be 
music producers and things like that, and they can't do a it thing. Doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. Lady Di hightails it out the back door and runs into runs into a little homeless girl mm-hmm. who has Play, very quick hands. Played by Lisa Jakob. Who some of our listeners may know from the films Independence Day. She was uh, uh, she played she played Randy Quaid's uh, daughter in Independence Day, and uh, she also played Robin Williams' daughter in the film Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. She's also a very good follow on Facebook. We'll be sure to link her up. So the little homeless girl steals something out of Lady Di's bag as she hightails it away, and it turns out it's the teacup. Lady Di is the person going around killing people in the park. And at the same time that uh, the little homeless girl, uh, whose character's name is Kristen, uh, steals this cup, Birdie, who was out on an evening stroll for some strange reason, also was there and saw Lady Di and and recognized her as her old friend Sarah. Then we find ourselves inside of what is apparently a party in the park. (laughs) Yeah, everybody is in the park. Everybody is in the park. Apparently an excellent budget savings was had inside of this particular location shoot during this episode. So you got Birdie looking around for... Her, her friend Sarah, her friend Sarah, who who we know as Lady Di, right? And Lady Di, who doesn't know she doesn't have the cup yet, is looking around for a homeless person to suck the life out of, right? Right. And you've got Mickey and Ryan looking for Lady Di because they don't want her to kill somebody else, right? And at the same time, guess who else lives in this park? The little girl Kristen, who stole the cup from Lady Di. That's right. So who, who warms up with a with a Tales from the Crypt? old, torn-up copy of Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> and what you think happens is little Christian is discovered by Lady Di, but it's not. It's Mickey and Ryan. Right. They talk Christian into giving them the cup and coming home with them and... To a warm bed. To a warm bed and, and potato, potato chips. chips. And potato chips. Mm-hmm. And at the same mm-hmm. time, Lady Di, who's now found a nice piece of homeless meat to suck the life out of, realizes... Oh, crap, I don't have a cup. I'm out of a cup. Oh, no. And as time ticks by, Lady Di starts to revert into her elderly self, slowly but surely. Fast forward to Ryan and Mickey and the homeless girl arriving back at the Curious Goods store, where instead of putting the teacup back into the vault where... Duh, it should be. Right. Ryan sees fit to just put it on the desk and then go upstairs to have a conversation with Jack the Mac. Because they're looking for the, the potato chips. Oh, Every, Everybody's okay. hungry. The door's locked. Everybody's good inside right. the building. One so, would believe you wouldn't have to worry about it. Right, right. So Pretty Birdie, who just happens to be traipsing by, breaks the window. Traipsing by carrying a pantyhose to put over her head <laughs> to disguise herself. Not a very good disguise, but uses the pantyhose to disguise herself, breaks in, and steals the little teacup. Is she going to become a murderess? Right. Is she going so, to suck the life out of so, somebody? So that she can be revert and become younger as well. That's right. right, and then more people would pay attention to her. Right. So everybody upstairs, as the door closes, as Bernie is leaving with the cup, everybody upstairs hears that, though they didn't hear that when she opened the door downstairs before, but... Looking for potato chips, remember. Remember, making a lot of noise looking for potato chips. Merely an inconvenience. 
So now Birdie, 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 Birdie heads out on her now treasonous mission to find the nearest homeless person with which to suck the life out of them and become younger so that her legs will look even better than they do. And does not go for the tea thing at all. No. Now she's got some hardcore whiskey <laughs> that she's willing to willing to share with this this guy who looks better days. Who obviously likes it. Yeah. He, well, he definitely likes it. He's definitively ready for it. And she pours him a, 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 a hefty cup, actually, of whiskey. And he begins to drink it, and she snatches the cup out of his hand before the the life essence of the swapper's vine can take uh, yes. hold. The redemption of Birdie. That's right. She Birdie's, can't go through it. She, she can't do it. She can't do it. You know what she's she can't lo- do, though? She's a lonely lady. If only you know, eHarmony existed back then in the late 80s, <laughs> you, you she know, wouldn't want to try to kill people. Yeah, you know what she can do, though? She saunters off on her merry way. Because reasons. Well, she wants to make up for what she's done. She stole the cup. She was going to do something horrible. She goes and finds a payphone to call Ryan, Jack, and Mickey and let them know that, yes, I, I'm sorry, I stole the cup. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay right here mm-hmm. until you get here. And I, I really want to make amends. But little does she know, <laughs> right. across the street... In the, the, in the foliage. Dark, in the dark foliage and bush <laughs> of the local city park that is just right across the way from the phone booth. Right, right. There is now an absolutely stark white, how the hell could she possibly blend into anything except maybe a polar tundra region. Look, it's Lady Di. Lady Di is literally dying on the vine. Lady Di is looking rough. <laughs> rough she, is her, being her, kind. Her, uh, her hair has gone completely white. The, her the, face... Has contorted into this like old lady goblin yeah. looking creature. <laughs> the, the, the makeup artists from Thriller had a second job, <laughs> and it was on Lady Die because yeah. they were there. And and Lady Die takes off slowly but surely after Birdie, who also doesn't really move that fast either. Right, for having such great legs, she doesn't run very fast. It's kind of a, it's a slow paced chase through the woods, through the park. It's really entertaining, though. It is, it, it is. is. It, Birdie thinks she's actually going to get away. There's a clearing, and and no, uh, guess what? There's a stick, and Birdie trips over a stick, <laughs> and Birdie's stunt double starts tumbling down the hill. Throwing the cup uh, to the side, mm-hmm. and uh, Lady Die takes a rock and just whacks the hell out of yeah. out of Birdie. Well, she's a rock star. What do you expect? She is a rock star, mm-hmm. and t- takes off with the cup. Mm-hmm. And Mickey and Ryan, moments later, show as, up. As does the entire uh, apparently police and detective corps, who all have already drawn weapons on Mickey and Ryan. Oh, and by the way, Ryan has picked up the rock that assaulted Birdie. Yeah, great move, Ryan. And they get arrested. Now, luckily enough, Birdie is not dead. She is unconscious. Wounded, right. Wounded Only and knocked wounded out. wounded by the 11-pound rock thrown the, at her right. head. Yeah. A witness to all of this is Mr. Jack Marshak, who is hiding in the bushes. In his tan night coat. Yeah, really, really wasn't blending in, but takes off into the park. Uh, hopefully to figure out a plan to help Ryan and Mickey. Uh, meanwhile, old Lady Die is now seeking out yet another victim for the cop so that looking, she can get younger. She comes across somebody taking a nap on a park bench, and she's so old now that her eyesight isn't working very well, so, so she's squinting and she can't see very well. She comes up on this guy who, who's taking a nap on the bench. Say, Hello, young man, would you, would like, you like a drink with me? And, and and the guy wakes up like, hey, yeah, lady, sure, I'd like some of your tea. And she starts handing the cup over. He takes the cup. And then 
He then pulls off his makeshift hair, which actually is pretty nice looking It was a hair. nice hair piece. Yeah, but he takes off his makeshift hair, and underneath, it's Jack Marshak. Jack Marshak, master of disguise. <laughs> and Not so today, says, Lady Die. Right. Takes the cup and runs off. And of course, you know, Lady Die can't really move all that fast. <laughs> so she's forced to just, no! Fast forward, the concert for the homeless people that uh, Lady Die was supposed to put on is about to start, and all of our characters have convened at the trailer of mm-hmm. Lady Die. And the crowd is going, we won't die in the yeah, background. Yeah, everybody, everybody's awesome. very, very excited for this show mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. Mickey and Ryan show up with Birdie in tow, so we assume that when Birdie woke up, they said, no, these people didn't harm me, let them go, and everybody was released, and there was paperwork for everybody. Jack Marshak shows up. Hey, guess what? Got the cup. Everything's okay. We don't got to worry about so it. So glad I brought it back here and didn't put it in the vault Well, this again. is true. This is, uh, the, the danger is over. You, you don't think that you, they're going to get assaulted by an old lady. And Lady Di is ready to perform. Mm-hmm. And as she steps out of her trailer, she's now skeletal. She, her teeth are all popping out. There's hardly any hair on her head. Uh, she's gone from stark white to dirty brown. Anyway, and she and, dies. Yeah. Lady die. Falls dies. Rotting and dead. Few days later, the little homeless girl is now going to get adopted by Birdie, so Birdie won't be alone, and the homeless girl won't be homeless anymore, and everything's a-okay. And the item is recovered. A Concert for the Homeless by a Pop Star. For those of you that either weren't alive yet (laughs) or have forgotten, the mid and late 80s was a time of pop stars in particular getting involved in the community to make good things happen, quote unquote. Yeah. You can start your way back to We Are the World back in 85. You can fast forward to the Christmas time effort inside of the UK. You can then fast forward inside of uh, Comic Relief with Robin Williams, uh, Billy Crystal, and Whoopi Goldberg's effort, uh, along with a bunch of other stuff that kind of happened back then and has drifted off since then. It's not nearly, I don't think so, as prolific as it used to be. Not as much. Yeah, but this is something that would be very interesting to come back. There are so many different types of acts across so many different segments of music. Mm -hmm. It would be great to see four or five different artists from different genres of music actually take this up as a a potential to-do item regularly, especially considering the homeless population problem. Right. I do believe, didn't John Cougar Mellencamp have one farm aid? I think that was to help farmers. Farmer, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. right. There was right. a whole bunch of so, stuff I mean, like that. I mean, musicians have, have done stuff like this before in the past. Uh-huh. They continue to do it in the present. It's just not as prolific as yeah. it used to be. Yeah. And I, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because there's more problems now mm-hmm. in society that we can't all agree on one thing to to, to focus on. To focus our, on, right. Uh, it's it's we're spread too thin. I don't know. I don't know. I just remember that back in the eighties, the homeless situation, drugs, the homeless problem, and AIDS. Those were the three big things I remember from my childhood yeah. in the in the mid eighties. Yeah. What I really loved about this though is that it, it puts it on the forefront. It showcases that a popular 
pop star is focusing on having this event. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of the double-edged sword, as always appears inside of this program, it's actually just a feeder ground for the woman that needs more homeless people. True. Because if you don't have any homeless people... Then there's nobody to kill off and suck the, the suck their youth. Yeah. So I, I, again, I love this dichotomy that the show offers, especially in the concept of yes, that's a really grand, beneficial, genuine idea to help people. And on the other side of the edge, it's not. It's literally right. just a conveyor belt to her face. Uh, but but one could if you if you do look at the other side of it, if if there was some sort of remorse in Sarah the woman who would become Lady Die, mm-hmm. maybe she was trying to do something good to balance the scales of the evil that she was doing to be able to do the good. Yeah, I don't think so. That's actually I'm, where we ask you guys, and a strange call to the audience early, what do you guys think? Was this a, a move by Lady Die slash Sarah to, to make amends for her life-sucking activities? Or is it just another conveyor belt to foster her young face? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Jack's Library of Facts. Daddy loves everything inside of Jack's library of facts inside of every single episode that we see inside of this series. And this one is no exception. This time it's to focus on Swapper's Ivy. Yes. Jack may not know everything, but he knows where the information lies (laughs) in all of his books. Yeah. In his oh, many I remember Swappy, Swappers, Ivy. Wait a minute, hold on. Let me. Uh, here's the book right here, and here's the page. Wow, look at this! I love it. The whole concept of the Jack Marshak character is to give the important information to the two idiot kids and be awesome. He's the glue. He's absolutely he is the, glue. He's the informational he's, he's glue totally inside the, the glue. yes. As well as being able to wear what is probably the best toupee I've seen in <laughs> eons. Great stuff. The value of pace. This, like many of the other episodes that we have already reviewed, as well as many of the ones that we're going to review, mm-hmm. really does show the value of things being at a pace where they can be taken in easily. There's nothing force-fed you inside of this episode. Not even the not even the harried Lady Die chasing Birdie dance inside right, of this. Right. It, it also is just completely different than what you would find nowadays. Typically what would happen is you'd have way more transition stage makeup done for Lady Die that would be a <gasps> jump scare as she whips her head around after looking at this gorgeous lilt of brown slash black hair, and then she snaps her head around and it would be yet another stage of decrepit agedness going on with the makeup. Right. You don't have anything like that. You just have some really stark, oh my God, look how old she's gotten already stuff that's presented inside of this. And I'm I'm really appreciative of this series that it's it was able to do it back then. And I somehow wish that more series nowadays would take this on instead of needing to have that that frantic quick we got to throw something else in front of someone's face so that they can see something else quick mentality that you have inside of especially televised uh, media oh, yeah. as well as streaming media and I, I i so wish that this kind of pacing would come back people's attention spans have, have totally changed if you look at anything done before the early 90s 
there is a there is a specific way of doing things. Uh, not even the early '90s, the mid '90s. I remember film, even film took more time. Yeah, yeah. Shots were longer. It wasn't these quick cuts. Even if two, if two people were having a conversation, you kept the camera on those two people having that conversation, and you held it there. Yeah, it's just two people telling a story and you hold it there right what i really enjoyed about it too is that it lets the actors emote mm-hmm. now, we're not looking at academy award-winning acting inside of no, the series uh, no. not on any level ever inside of it but what we are looking at is actors actually getting some chance to provide stagecraft mm-hmm. and i really appreciate that it's it's again it's something i so wish we could somehow go back to Community members traipsing into a morgue, struggling to process crime scenes and law enforcement involvement. There's a couple of things that we see inside of this episode that are definitive dings, Mm. mostly because it just wasn't involved in the process of being showcased inside of media back then. I mean, like at all. Right. Uh, That that and things have just significantly changed uh, without question across just about every vein of law enforcement. The first thing that we have inside of this, and we mentioned it inside of the, the retelling a little bit as well, is that if it's a Thursday and you've just finished up with your, your Italian sandwich with sprouts and now you want to go visit some dead people in the morgue, well, you don't just walk in. <laughs> right. That, that's, that's not how it works. There are definitive processes to request to go and be in the presence of bodies for insert reasons. Yes, mm-hmm. that absolutely exists. What we see here inside of this episode is just not something that happens any really at all. Two random people walk into an autopsy room while a medical examiner is actually giving his report. N- that no, right? That doesn't happen. And, or that and nobody says anything. Right. It's not like that. that there wasn't like that somebody outside the door yeah. just tell them no, or somebody on that floor to tell them no, or somebody in that building to tell them no. It's like they just they were able to get right to where they needed to go. And even once they were in the room, nobody's telling them to get out. Right. It's like, stay, stay around for eight or nine minutes. I don't That'd know who great. you are, and you know you're not supposed to be here, but uh, sure, come on, take a look at this. Yeah, and obviously it's a what was back then in regard to storytelling versus what is now, what is reality. So right. we get that. Well, it, yeah, it's, the, it's, it's to facilitate the story faster instead of worrying about the realism of how things are really done, which you get a lot nowadays. I mean, there are tons of cop shows that hire police officers you know as consultants as right. consultants mm-hmm. i mean it's it's for almost everything yeah. almost everything now has a consultant mm-hmm. to make sure that you have a authenticity to what you're seeing that wasn't that wasn't how it was done no, back it, then it, and, it, and this is was, this is clear yeah we 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 need to be using we need to be using this lunchroom as the morgue real quick how do we dress it up appropriately right, mm, right. okay this will work and let's go that that's what this was no no question the other thing that you got here is after Bertie is accidentally knocked out with an 11 pound rock <laughs> <laughs> Mickey and Ryan are taken into custody and there's all kinds of problems that are showcased there everything from their uh, hands tri- being uh... tr- trigger discipline uh, muzzling people a trigger discipline refers to uh, when you are drawing a gun on somebody making sure that your finger is not inside the trigger guard unless you intend to shoot and stop them then you don't have your finger on the trigger for anything. Right. Uh, the other thing is something called muzzling, where 
even if you don't have your finger inside the trigger guard, you don't actively point a gun at anybody. That's another piece of, uh, of what a technical consultant now presents into moviedom and feature films now. Mm-hmm. Because it's something that the police try and not do ever because it's dangerous. Duh. The other thing that's missing, too, is handcuffing them in front would never yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing is that they would be asked to probably lay down and then they would cuff them as opposed to just walking in up to them and saying, hello, how are you? And put cuffs on them. Wouldn't work that way either. Uh, again, it's all done because of a sense of expediency and needing to have the story told so that Mickey and Ryan are taken into custody and then process it so that the camera can pan up and see Jack inside of his incredibly effective camouflage uh, <laughs> traipsing off to go and find Lady Royal Di. Royal Di. Right. Lots and lots of nitpicks there, but something that I wanted to make sure we told the audience about. Lady Death's process makeup. This might sound a little bit hypocritical because in a previous point I'd said I really liked what they had done with her makeup. And the actual look of it, I'm a giant fan of. Mm-hmm. I just would have liked to have seen something where it's more of a process instead of, look, it's somebody that looks like Lady Gaga, incredibly attractive, luscious rock star. Then she kind of goes to, I don't have much makeup on, to something that looks like one of the white witches out of Lord of the Rings. Mm, yeah. And I would have liked to have seen some just some some more stage inside of that. Again, I know we're talking about expediency because we don't have the length of a feature film here. But what we do have is really good, effective makeup process back then. For as much as we want to yank on a lot of what we see, especially inside of horror films back then, wow. you know, there was a lot of really good makeup stuff going on in the 80s. Yep, Lots there was. of it. Yeah. For those of you that have forgotten or have not yet seen it, which I have to beat my head on a wall real quick, but Thriller from Michael Jackson is a perfect sample. If you go back, even now, to go look at Thriller... The makeup effects that they were using inside of Thriller back then, they are amazing special effects. Yes. It's where they got people gaunt, not unlike Michael Jackson himself, but they got gaunt people and they were able to prey upon the fact that they were so thin and flexible and able to move in ways that made them look like they were rotting zombie corpses. And the makeup done inside of this episode, all the way across the entire board, is all really, really good. I just know that I would like to have seen something more stair step to where we get to where I'm not kidding. She's she's more pale than I am. Yes. And I'm a pasty white Irish dude. So I I would have loved to have seen that more inside of this episode because we know the skill sets there for sure. Mm. And she dies preparing to go on stage. One of the things I love is that this episode does not turn into what is the end of any Scooby-Doo episode where people rip off masks and go, oh, it it was Mr. Simmons, Uh, like an episode of Clue, where, oh, it was Mr. Simmons who did it in the library with the crescent wrench. You, you You don't have anything like that inside of this series for the most part, and I love it. Instead of it being something colloquial, like what I just mentioned, it becomes where I'm coming, I'm coming out, I'm going to give them the best show they've ever seen. Oh, just wait, I'm coming, I'm coming out, I will come out and give them the best show ever seen. And what happens? They open the door, she's already rotting to death, she falls over, dead. 
I love that. Yeah. I think that that is an excellent exclamation point for the episode, as well as something else that's missing inside of, I think, just about every horror series. It's a sense of consequence. Hmm. Look at the lady that thought she could get over. She's not getting over anything. She's dead. Right, right, right. And I love that. There's a sense of finality and consequence. Uh, there was a lot of this inside of all of the Twilight Zone episodes. All of the Twilight Zone-esque television shows, they all had this sense at the end. Mm-hmm. Where there was a sense of, and see, if you do stupid stuff like that, you're going to get yours too. Twilight Zone was definitely a morality play. Every episode was a morality play. Without question. Without question. And good horror is supposed to be a morality play. Yeah. And this, uh, the the one thing that I do appreciate about the setup for this show is that if you start using a cursed item, it's not, oh, okay, well, so I've killed a couple of people, but I really don't want to do it anymore, so I'm going to stop. So I'll just go back to my old life. No, you don't get to do that. If you don't continue to use the cursed item or follow through with the, the rules of the item, uh, you're dead. Yeah. You will die. Had Lady Die just reverted back to being Sarah and, you know, oh, well, the old lady was the one who killed people in the park. But what has happened to Lady Die? That would have been a, that would have been a stereotypical ending to an anthology show like this. The fact that they have the consequences that... Oh, no, no, no. You don't get to spend what little left of your life that you have in jail. You're dead. Yeah. And, and then you're not just dead. You have rotted away rotted and away. you have felt right. that. It, it also really helps to hammer home the point. And again, what I love about the chemistry set of our podcast here is that I would I don't know that I would have thought this. In fact, I didn't when we finished the episode. Mm. But that this also exemplifies exactly what kind of benefit Bertie gets by not delving into the power of the cop. Yeah. Really, really well done. So much great stuff inside this episode. Nick, it's time to take a break here during the Curious Goods podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 4, A Cup of Time. We'll be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Corps. 
Editing podcasts can be ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 4, A Cup of Time. Every time we come back from break during the Curious Goods Podcast, it's time to find our Curious Goods. actor's portrayal, a scene that struck us inside this episode, or something else that we found incredibly, collectively fantastic. Nick, what do you got? I am a sucker for a good (laughs) gag. So my curious good inside this episode is the deathbed jump scare. When Mickey and Ryan are searching out... uh, Fat Eddie or Fat Tony, the the original owner of the the cup and bones. <laughs> he uh, they, they come to this house. The house looks like it's been deserted for for a very long time, mm-hmm. and without any prompting whatsoever, this these large double doors open, and this hideaway bed falls down. And in the in the actual bed is the skeletal remains of one fat Anthony or Edward. Yeah. And I know that it was supposed to have been intended to be a jump scare for, for the show. You know, you're sitting there late at night and you're watching it. All of a sudden that's supposed to happen and there's bones there and you're supposed to go, Oh my gosh. Of course, that's not what happened when we were watching it. I I actually chuckled a little bit because I, I did find it funny. I was like, Something's going to come out of that closet. I was expecting a dead body. I was not expecting a hide-a-bed with bones <laughs> in it. So the fa- so the fact that I was pleasantly surprised is the reason why the jump scare deathbed is my curious good. I think that's a great curious good. I also just want to exemplify that if you go back and look at the scene, you can actually look at Mickey and she makes sure that she's not in the line of death <laughs> by the bed not opening up on her so that the bed that is now festooned with misshapen bones, in particular the skull. The face didn't really the, look like the, the skull was the skull was might misshapen. Have been paper mache. Something. It was something it was like know. it was the skull you although those are pretty good now too. But yeah. back in the eighties when you went and bought a skull at the local uh ha ha har har store, the magic store, kind of what they look like. It yeah. it wasn't very good. Anyway, that that is an excellent scene. Without question, there is no doubt in my mind that my curious good inside this episode is the frantic forest chase <laughs> there are a few things that are worth money to just go back there we you know what we need to do we need to make a we need to make an animated gif out of this no. <laughs> so that it can just be used when i'm laughing my ass off because this was fun it, it, again to go back to the pacing of this program 
the pacing of this race inside of the forest by Birdie and Super Lady Die, aging Lady Die, is remarkable. It's fun, it's well done, and it reminds me again of when I see television shows that allow actors to participate in what is clearly stagecraft. Mm, yeah. This is it. This is where they go, okay, for these next 12 yards, you are running for your life. Ready? And action. <laughs> and that's exactly what you get here from two different ladies, perspectives. Ladies, uh, if you could move a little bit faster. <laughs> when it, that's the other funny part is that I'm certain somebody said that on screen. Probably. Or on, on, on set, but it never happened. They just went and then kind of accidentally jogged in place, looking over their shoulders every now and then. That's it. But the thing is, it doesn't look like they were jogging in place, because I've actually seen that in really bad television I, 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 I and movies. I, I have so, to. So the, that's the great thing about it. It was, it was legitimately executed by the two <laughs> yeah. actresses. Yeah. They were running. Yes. And what they also did was they did not put that stabbing, dumb chase music mm. behind it as it was going on. Again, as much as it sounds like I'm jibing, this here as a bad it is not this is definitively a good inside the episode not only a good but a curious good that's where we ask you guys what was your curious good for this episode season one episode four a cup of time be sure to let us know what you think by going over to our website that's curiousgoodspodcast.com click anywhere on the right hand side of the page fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think vocabulary there weren't a lot of vocabulary options inside of this, but I did want to bring up the word swapper. Swapper, just off the top of your head, has a variety of different connotations, but inside of this episode, it refers specifically to taking one thing and putting something else inside of its place. Pointedly inside of this, taking the life force from one person and then dumping it into another one. Yes. And that concept is something that I think is missing inside of storytelling in general. Uh, it doesn't have to be horror-ridden to have something like that. Mm -hmm. There's a variety of other movies that I know that we'll also link to inside the show notes that depict this wonderfully. 13 Going on 30 is a wonderful movie. Big is another movie where there's transference of one thing to another. There's a variety of other movies and actually stage plays as well that do this same thing. And it is incredibly easy to do it wrong right yeah, yeah. the uh the mid 90s is filled with landmines like this that all don't make much sense but they took a younger actor and an older actor and smashed them together and hoped that good things are going to happen and it didn't well yeah and so it, it's it it hasn't happened recently that i can remember in recent memory but it, when it does happen and it's good it really is fun inside of especially feature films well i think we're due for another freaky friday remake in yeah. any any yeah. day now i have a vocabulary word okay it's it's never our intent to get personal or have some sort of agenda when doing any of these shows that appear on on the network but my vocabulary word is lonely hmm now I know that during the retelling of this episode, I made the I made the joke that if only E Harmony existed for Birdie, she she'd be able to find somebody that dug her, and she'd be going on dates, and she wouldn't be so alone. And the way that the episode actually ends, she does not end up alone. She ends up adopting the little homeless girl, and and one would think that happily ever after, yay. That's not going to help with the hot for Jack brat though. 
No, but I think now that she has something to focus on besides trying to find somebody to fill her life, she doesn't need a man to fill her life. She just needs something to fill her life. So using the word lonely as my vocabulary word is I want everybody who's listening to this podcast, we all feel alone sometimes. So if ever that if ever that happens to you, you know, just reach out to a friend, reach out to a relative. Hell, if you don't have anybody, there are plenty of 1-800 numbers. There are plenty of, of online services that are there are plenty of people willing to talk to you to make you feel not so alone. So there's there's no reason, there's no excuse. Reach out and touch somebody and don't feel alone like Birdie. Because then you might want to steal a cup that transfers youth and kill people. And we, we just don't want that. That, yeah, that, would, that. that would be bad. None of that. That would be bad. None of that. Ah, the rating. It's time to rate this episode, Season 1, Episode 4, A Cup of Time from Friday the 13th, this series. Our scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the pile. The makeup from one thriller from Michael Jackson. A 1 is on the other side of the scale. Something that kind of looks like pizza dough thrown on somebody's face. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? The concept for this episode has been done numerous times throughout television and movies. Millions of times. Uh, it's, it's, it's everywhere. The whole stealing of youth from someone else to make yourself younger. Uh, I've seen it over and over and over again. Sometimes it's executed effortlessly, other times kind of hokey. This one walked the line. It it did have its moments of hokiness. Uh, there were some holes where the plot was concerned. I mean, we never really got a, a kind of a sense of how long the pop star, the rock star, Lady Di, had been around. Mm-hmm. So when we're first introduced to her, She's acting like she's like this huge deal. Well, you don't act like that unless you've been around for a while. Well, turns out she hasn't been around for a while. She's just like this, the the, the it girl. She's the new hot thing. She's the great flavor of ice cream this month. Mm-hmm. So that was a little muddled for me. I, it, it took me half of the episode to figure out, oh, okay. I was putting together, this is, oh, this is Sarah. This is Birdie's friend, Sarah. Well, you really didn't hammer that home during your exposition scene, Birdie. Thanks a lot. But then you've got you've got some great acting, you've got great pacing, and you've got an awesome ending for this for this story. Despite the dings revolving around the uh, <laughs> police procedure. <laughs> I don't know what town this is, but they get a big fat F where it comes to dealing with the public. <laughs> uh so for me it ended up evening itself out to where I rate this a seven. A nice average episode. Could have been better, but I'm glad it wasn't worse. That's a very interesting score. I, I think what I take from this episode the most is that, I'm not kidding, if you just look at the star, we'll grab a screen cap of, of the star inside of her, her dressing room. It looks like Lady Gaga. Mm. Big red lips, thick eyebrows, gorgeous eyes, big, you know, curly black hair. It is amazing that this was filmed in 1987. 
or six, I guess, if this was one of the first four episodes. Who knows? Wow, wow. Uh, but that you can almost one-to-one lift out that star and put it over a star that we have currently who's got a, a, an incredibly robust career at this point. And they're one-to-one. The music is definitively different, well, yeah. but it's still there. In fact, it, taking those little stolen moments from a, a, a nursery rhyme, dude, that sounds like something that would happen tomorrow if, if, it was, if it could happen. The difference is that maybe a rap lyric would be thrown at it or a rap, a, 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 a rap beat would be thrown at it. Mm. So I, I love that in this episode and that, that you, can, you can look at that woman and go, my God, it's somebody that appeared today. You know, the, I, I love that about this. It instantly got me in, involved in the episode. Uh, the other thing is that the question of time is something that we all eventually get to face. I now, as a 48-year-old man, am on the precipice of my 30th high school reunion. And so looking back at your life, especially 30 years later, almost 30 years later to when this was filmed, yeah, I graduated yeah. in 88. Looking at how you age and how you now look differently and what you've done with your life and what you would do differently if given the opportunity, those are all very salient questions for me. And so th- th- this episode has a has another layer inside of the cake that makes up this episode mm. that allow, does allow you to think back. And if you could go and suck the life out of people, well, would you? If it meant that you'd be killing them, well, would you? If you knew that mostly you'd be preying on people that nobody cares about and you wouldn't get caught, well, would you? I love that this episode bothers to ask those questions. And so for me, again, as it definitively dived down for a couple of bullet points, the positive notes of this definitely amp up to an eight. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you think of this episode? Season one, episode four, A Cup of Time. Let us know what you think by going to our website. That's Curious Goods Podcast. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and let us know what you think. So until the next time that you choose to go and prey on helpless, homeless people with a growing garden cup, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Harn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed.
the clothes of the dead body flora. that are on the floor. Yeah, flora, fauna. Fauna, Ooh. fauna Ooh. is the is the animals. When you say flora and fauna, flora is referring to <sighs> to plant life. The uh-huh. fauna is referring to the life, the animals. The life. Yes. A, a, a blanket. A blanket. It, well, it's, it was a... a what are those things called? <laughs> a sleeping you, you, bag. you zip yourself up in. A sleeping, a sleeping bag. bag. Inside of her sleeping bag, there was an old, torn-up copy of Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> Thank you for the Foley sound. Yeah, there awesome. you go. Because none of this is going to be in this podcast. 